BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. This podcast contains language and themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. Hello and welcome to the Busted Barstools podcast for episode 2, season 3. You're joined by myself, the Sasquatch, the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour, it's Beric. Have you, Barrack? You all good? You're fabulous, mate. Yeah. Turn out sound. I'm joined by the chief of controversy. It's the coach. <laughs> you all good, mate? Good. And unfortunately, the, the doctor cannot be with us this week. How are we, gents? We all good? Did you say Derek? Is Derek up. a caller, is it? Caller in, do we? Derek? Hello, Derek? The doctor, I said. No, no, Derek. Who was before the doctor? You. Who was before me? Beric. Oh, Beric. Jesus, it's good to have you for a show, mate. See, he's gone. I heard you loud loud and clear. (laughs) Let's just keep rocking. Well, lads, what's happening in the sports world this week? Nothing. Nothing. Um, I think we should mark on our calendars yet another week where Lennon has not got three points and is still in the job. Yeah. Um, You've jumped into Mr. Lennon straight away there, have you? I listened back to the podcast last week that I may have missed. Uh, And since when am I an avid Neil Lennon supporter? (laughs) (laughs) You were like, oh, lucky he's not here to argue this with me. I have no allegiance to Lee one way or another. Yeah, well, it wasn't me that said that, though, was it? It was you. Yeah. It was um, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I think every 
every week this goes on, he's losing his his legendary status even more. Whatever's left of it. Um, I suppose pretty Peter Law has said he's leaving, hasn't he, at the end of the season as well. So, um, but the other one for me is Fat Frank has left. Well, has been relieved of his duties. But I just wonder is it is it time that sporting directors are just taking over now? Is a head coach or a manager literally just a head? I know we briefly touched on it last season. They're just managers now or coaches. Like you, you get what's put in front of you, kind of. You yeah. work with that. Um, strange move. Like I think time wise on Tuchel. Like as in he has to well is is transmitted and closed as of today Sunday, tomorrow tomorrow night tomorrow. eleven so, o'clock Monday yeah. So they give him six days, six days with two fixtures, to to make any signings he needed to make. I'm not convinced he'd be allowed to make signings. Well, you gave Frank Lampard x amount of cash. What was it, two hundred million on signings? Hmm. But see, the stuff that I don't know if you've been reading the Athletic, there was an article in the Athletic over a couple of days, um, basically saying that during Lampard's 17 months, which the longest term under Abramovich is 18, by the way, or no, possibly that's just the average. The average is 18 months under Abramovich. So. Mourinho's first spell was yeah. a lot longer than 18 months. Yeah, the average is 18 months. But um, apparently, Frank had never, during those 17 months, never spoke to Roman Abramovich. And just this new. Um, they have a sporting director, um, the female, can't, yeah, her name escapes me right now, but she was doing all the talking or the communicating and that Frank had had tried to get rid of uh, a couple of players, Alonso, Rudiger and one other, and it just wasn't happening. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that Tomas Tuchel will have to use what's at his disposal because they did the three did start the last two games, I think, or the two anyway. Yeah, well, Alonso played well today. He scored, didn't he? Mm, um, scored, yeah. Chelsea managers never get enough time anyway. Like, so like, even if they do bring in players, they never get a chance for a team to gel. And then, no, it's just though, a con- it? but I it's think- a constant like cycle in Chelsea. Like, they get in a new manager, mm-hmm. they buy in their own players, they don't get, they don't never gel together. The mm-hmm. manager gets sacked, and then the new manager comes in and brings in his own players, and it just keeps going that way. Like, yeah, must be was- nice to have like just an endless supply of money. Like, that'd be yeah. be nice. What is yeah. hundred and there was, was something that said I think Roman Abramovich's stint has actually current after this last one has paid one hundred and twenty million out on managers. Wouldn't the, surprise me. That's uh, scandalous. The it's thing mad. about Frank and I'm thinking back now to September. I don't know if you read David Ornstein the like there was an article about Frank. Initially, when Frank was brought in, the purpose of Frank was to serve out the transfer ban, yeah. which initially was two years, got downgraded to one year, and they couldn't really sack him. After the job we did last year. So the article, and it's way back in September, says if Frank goes on a spell where he loses five games, four to five games in a row, expect him to be gone. So I think he was a ticking time bomb. Yeah, and he, he it makes sense, doesn't it? Because he had worked with so many of them players in the 23s, like Callum Hudson, Doy, and Mason Mountain. Mm-hmm. There's a good few there that he had kind of yeah. helped nurture him and Jody Morris. Mason Mount was on the bench there, did today, was he? Or yeah, I think the last two games, I think. Yeah, I think that's a sign of the times now, though. I think, and, and the whole that's why I'm kind of saying I don't know if Tuchel will be allowed to sign players because of he's just now put you know made that straight swap straight away when he's come in. But look, yeah. time will tell. Well, tomorrow, the next 24 hours will yeah. tell. Mount is good mates with Declan Rice, so hopefully he decides to come to West Ham. That'll be an idea, <laughs> as opposed to what was... what's your thoughts on Lingard, actually, Eric? Good young player, I like him. Yeah, no, I'm not, not not pleased with it really well I'm not not pleased with it but like I think it's it's a bit of a like a 
silly sign. Like, what's the point of him? Do you know what I mean? I was just going to say, just after watching the game there, people... He's not what we need, like... Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure where he improves West Ham yeah. as a team. Like, looking at that Liverpool game this evening, would you have brought him in? No. Well, we're, we're going straight into the Liverpool-West Ham game. <laughs> well, okay. I didn't... Well, no, I'm, I think West Ham have been great. I think David Moyes has been a... You know, he's been great for them um, ever since he got COVID, but... Uh, made a slight error today, I'd argue, in the sense that we were 2-0 down 15 minutes ago and he on, took off yeah. our two kind of, best attacking players and brought on Noble and a defender. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, the game is arguably over, but like you still want a little bit of a little bit of effort in the last 10 minutes like to try and... Should they got a goal in the end? Like I know they conceded as well, but... You know what I mean? Yeah. Anything else in the world of sports, Sass? Blockbuster trade last night in the NFL. Um, Matt Stafford moved to the LA Rams. Moving the other way was Jared Goff. Two first-round picks and a third-round pick making our way to Detroit. Wild situation considering the contract Jared Goff signed just last summer. So they wanted him gone and they wanted him gone badly. It's, uh, Explain that one to me now. In terms of the contract, he'll still see that out, won't he? Financially, as in, I think there's a there's a rule because it kind of reading up a lot a lot about the Deshaun Watson, the complications yeah. around his contract. I think there is in most contracts there is a a cutoff point. So if if the player is traded before June first, the franchise who owned them initially has to pay a lump sum. Like I think in Deshaun Watson, if he's traded before June first, the Texans owe him twenty four million. Whereas they trade them after June first, they own five million. So, okay. so even if he is the one pushing the trade, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't get that, Barry. Like, it just always confuses me. Like, they've so much, so much power. The players don't they over there to push through things? Well, I, I like they don't like they do in the NBA. I don't think they do in the NFL really. Like what Deshaun Watson is doing is pretty much never been done before that the quarterback themselves has actually pushed for the trade like you look at say a Phillips Rivers like you, you, there's there's endless amounts of quarterbacks like Dan Marino at, at Miami never won a Super Bowl but there's arguably one of was a generational talent it's very much where you land as a quarterback and that's your mm. kind of, I kind of touched upon it last week it's kind of that's where you're you're set for the, your life really yeah but I think coaches nearly picking up on the like see the likes of Le'Veon Bell and all who just like sat out for a year just waiting to be traded, and then Zeke was going to do something similar. Zeke was like, one I was thinking in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. he just he said he was going to sit out and sat out for what was it four or five games, and then just got paid and was like, oh yeah, it's all Rosie in the garden again. Yeah, I'm back. Now the only thing is, yeah, yeah well he hasn't been back for, for Le'Veon Bell anyway. Yeah. Zeke was a shorter one. You see, I think Zeke was a bit different in that they he had more control because I don't think they had the option to franchise tag him. So I think it, I, th- I think if you're one of the bigger players. In the NFL, like you have a lot more push. Yeah, we're just like a, a little bit more, like pull we, even. We've never really seen the, word. the the quarterback position with with, with what Deshaun Watson is doing. It's because they usually get paid. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. And like they, well, yeah, he got just paid. goes to show his character in the sense that he's more about trying to win than like I'd say it's frustrating enough. Like do you know that kind of way. There's only so much he can do. Yeah, and they traded DeAndre Hopkins the year before. I think his issue as well is a lot more sinister. Um, 
they came to him at the start of summer, well, start of season, like, we need a new head coach, how do you recommend we do it? He sat down, had dinner with them, made certain recommendations. One of the recommendations was to hire a consultancy firm, who they hired, paid 100000 and they recommended, say, six names, and they stopped paying them immediately and didn't interview the six names. Do you know, it's all this kind of yeah. batshit... <clears throat> It's just the, screams not well run. The, the, okay. I think the chief of operations is the former Patriots <clears throat> minister. He's not even a football man or a businessman. He's a religious man. Um, and I think a religious man. A religious man. Yeah. He can't. So, he can't be basing your financial and decisions off that of a witch doctor. Yeah, I think. Yeah, look, I think the um, the Texans the. Houston residents obviously didn't grow up watching Father Ted. Yeah, I I, I reckon uh, JJ Watt be be next out the gap. Yeah, they reckon he, he could go soon. Um, mm. was, who was I? Don't know who brought it, brought it up, but it was, a, it was a brilliant point that he might go to Green Bay. Um, so he's from Wisconsin, went to college in Wisconsin, so it makes sense for him to go back to Wisconsin. He would f- he's one of the few pieces they could really add to Green Bay. Um, and he could his contract is set up in a way that he could stipulated and back-ended so that he, he'd slot in nicely under the salary cap as well. Um, so that would be a very interesting fit, but I do think he's going to go as well. The one actually other piece that I did pick up on last night was Lamelo Ball. You know, Jermaine is his manager that takes care of him or whatever. Lamelo Ball, he, he, but basically Jermaine's come out saying that, you know, once the rookie contract's over, he's done. Like he's moving, which I think everyone would suspect anyway, but to come out this early into it and say that is just, I just... Now, there's no doubt the young lad is playing out of his skin for like in terms of what we know of his level because he's you know he's a rookie and he's just in there, and he is he seems to be playing quite quite well from 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 what I've seen and there. Uh, I just thought it was peculiar to come out that early and say that. He's he's against the grain though, Lamelo. Is that his game is assists? the The game is is a perimeter shooting game now. It's so. Scored twenty seven points last night to be fair to him. Yeah, he did. Like he is. Had, but... Has he had three triple doubles possibly already as well? Yeah, but if you look Two. at those triple triple doubles, they're not high scoring. The lo- yeah. lowest yeah. figure is the points. So yeah. I don't know. I think I don't think he could be the star of a team. Great second man, great third man. I don't think he could be a LeBron, a Durant. I don't think he has that in him. He might get that sixth sixth man award. But it, look, it's obvious the two the two brothers are playing off to get to the same organization because yeah, Zo Lonzo Ball as well is playing his way out of, of the Pelicans as well. So they probably yeah. it's possible they could both end up with someone like the Knicks. I could see them at. Who? Yeah, but then you have to like no organization wants that bleeding elsewhere like, around the team. Yeah. Like yeah, if you throw back, he's, to an, the decision, he's an idiot. Like you asked what my wish was. My wish was for a competent Knicks franchise, and they're in the playoff spots for the first yeah. time in decades. They're flying. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not flying, but they're going all right. So Tatum and LeBron threw it down last night, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good game. I didn't watch it now, for honest. Yeah, yeah, that was a good game. I think they both they both finished with upwards of in around the sixty point mark each. I think I think Tatum was around the fifty five, possibly, and LeBron around the sixty. Like that's incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah, yeah. They both they both scored sixty points. They were between 50 and 60 at it too, yeah. It was only 96, 95 or something, wasn't it? I know, yeah. It was, it was just a Tatum versus, versus LeBron game. 
Perhaps you uh, you were playing a game of 2K that you got confused. Yeah, yeah, I did have a dream last night. So <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Anyway, I think we 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 get cracking. So we've kind of changed the disc- the the format up slightly this week. So as opposed to our traditional three to four segments, we've opted for kind of two larger segments. Firstly, we'll have a more classic style debate between Beric and the coach, following on from the fallout of UFC 257. Quick word from our partners, and then we'll have our own busted Barstool Super Bowl preview, which obviously takes takes place next week. I suppose at this point, I would be remiss to also mention that next week is also the start of the Six Nations Championship. We won't be covering that this week, but we will look to cover it next week. So, a more, I suppose, classic style debate, as opposed to the, the typical ones we have on here. Where, here comes the coach you? trying to uh, destroy... The only other thing I love, other than my beloved West Ham. Here comes the audible windmills coming flying. Um, so without much further ado, anyway, Berwick opposed the coach unopposed to the below statement, which is three wins in his past six, seven including the boxing experiment. McGregor's career has drastically declined since December 12th, 2015, 2015 when he knocked out Jose Aldo. Maybe before we kick off, is it possible just to get Berwick to give us a kind of brief 30 to 60 second synopsis of last week of what he taught. Eric? Yeah, um, my emotions have, have subsided from, from last yeah, I, week. Yeah, I didn't want to throw you in the deep end. But, yeah, you know. I, it was... You did anyway. Was, yeah, <laughs> thanks, mate. There, there was no way, there was no way I was jumping on this after that last week. Um, I don't I don't really have a, a synopsis as such. Um, there is a couple of, couple of bits online that I would find extremely irritating, but I suppose you're going to get that anyway. Um, a lot of people seem to be harping on the McGregor has changed his stance. Um, seen a lot of that, yeah. Point, yeah. Um, like it's correct to an extent, and then it's not correct to another extent. There's a whole thing that they keep on comparing the fight to the Alvarez fight where I'm trying to describe this without actually visually describing it, if you know what I mean. Like, I, ne- I nearly need a visual aid here, but bear with me. <laughs> so, when McGregor fought Alvarez, McGregor is a southpaw, which means his right foot is forward, and then Alvarez is an orthodox, so his left foot is forward. So, if you can imagine how they would stand, their, both their lead hands are on the same side, Right. Toe to toe, essentially, right? So when Southpaw and an Orthodox fighter are fighting, it's essentially you're trying to get your foot. So the Orthodox fighter is trying to get his foot on the outside. The Southpaw fighter is trying to get his foot on the outside. So that's the battle the whole time, right? So the other thing is that McGregor done perfectly in that Alvarez fight was he was reaching with his left, with his right hand to grab Alvarez's left hand. And you'll see it if you go back to the fight. Like the whole time he's like grabbing it and he's trying to hold it like... And then he's kind of like, he's nearly trying to high five him the whole time is what it looks like. But the point of that is 
to get Alvarez to throw his backhand. So that is where McGregor was countering, was slipping inside and coming back with his left hand, mm. which is his most devastating shot. The problem that I have with that, not with that, but with people online is saying that he never done that against Poirier. It's like, yeah, because Poirier is a southpaw as well. So they're opposites. So if McGregor was to reach out with his right hand to grab Poirier's right hand, like that's not his front hand, if you know what I mean. That's his backhand. So he's still going to get jabbed. So the range is off anyway. So people are trying to say that this was an issue of McGregor wasn't controlling the range like he was previously. Well, it's a completely different fight because it's a completely different stance. And I know they have fought before and he kind of opened up with a few more kicks, but like at the end of the day, Poirier came out with a very, very good game plan and built the leg off him for and 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 look, like it's you can argue as much as you want saying, Oh yeah, but McGregor should see that and, and know that was coming. But Poirier has never been someone to have devastating leg kicks previously. Like this was not unexpected, but it was a good game plan and it won him the fight. And like, I, I don't understand why people are having such a McGregor meltdown in the sense that like he was beaten by the best lightweight in the world other than Khabib, which, you know, you know what I mean? It's not exactly the worst I think, stat line in the world. I think the, uh, I think a lot of it stems from that McGregor hasn't improved or so I'm not saying he hasn't improved, but he hasn't seemed to have improved anyway. Like, do you not think he won the first six minutes of the fight? Oh, he did. But yeah. if you, in a, in a I, mean, I say stats, but in terms of wins and progression, he hasn't improved. Like, although he might have been the better better fighter for five minutes, maybe even six. Well, maybe five and a half. Like of a seven minute fight, though. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But is that not the aim of the game? Don't get. Don't get. Kind of. Don't get caught flat footed with 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 that type of thing. Like. And and that, that would be seen if if he wasn't, that would be seen as as I suppose progression because McGregor is very good at not getting hit in the face, right? In terms of he's a good boxer, mm. he he's very good at dodging uh, the stand up game, mm. but when he does, he seems dazed a lot. Like anytime you see him, you look back to the D, both Diaz fights, um, the one even against Poirier, he got one knock to the head, a heavy knock to the head, and he was a little bit stunned and wobbly. And I think the problem is, or not the problem, but he's very, very good at avoiding that. But when he does end up getting it, I don't think, I think that's where he's rocked. I disagree with you there a little bit. Um, the first DS fight, he was hit clean, yeah, and kind of did stumble back a little bit. Wasn't so much as being rocked as fatigued. I would say he wasn't ever hit clean in the second DS fight to be rocked in in any of the rounds if you look back at it um and then the Poirier fight if you see it he actually because his well like is his right leg you can see the in the final sequence of the fight Poirier lands the leg kick McGregor goes to plant on his right foot and his his foot you can see it like nearly like you know when somebody used to walk up behind you in school and knee the back of your leg yeah and you get you get that little 
<laughs> I used to fucking hate that. <laughs> but you get that little like sending all fours behind you and the other fella push it. Jeez, <sighs> that'd be that'd be some sight in the in the octagon, but <laughs> anyway. Um you could you could see the 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 leg kind of gave out a little bit and that's when Poirier circled to put McGregor's back on the cage. Then there was a few shots exchanged. Now Poirier is a phenomenal boxer as well, in his own right, and it has very, very good punch power. You can see on the last shot that McGregor goes to circle out to his right, which is Poirier's left, and gets his feet come square, which is like neither foot is in front of the other. So you know, you know what square means. His feet are in a line, and that's where he took the right hand. Yeah, like anyone in the world, if you get caught with your feet square, like your feet are where hmm. is is. Like a lot of your chin nearly comes from your feet in the, in the sense that you can, like if you look at Justin Gaethje fight, Gaethje puts both his hands over his head and like if you look at it, he sits into himself to block the shots. Whereas McGregor, McGregor he was caught like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it, no one has ever not been caught. Like even if you look at like the best defensive fighters in any game, like look at Floyd Mayweather, Maidana caught him clean on the chin. Like Shane Mosley caught him clean on the chin. Do you know what I mean? Like the like people get caught like it's it happened. Andy Joshua was caught there not too long ago by Andrew Ruiz. Like Wilder was caught by Fury. Like it happens like and then you look at the Khabib one. He got a flush overhand right from Khabib dropped and was up in seconds. Like was straight back up and looked as if there was no last and effect of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. I just think that Go on, Sasha. Sorry, go I was on. Just, I was just going to further stoke the fire, if, if that makes sense. And just ask the question of both these, even if you could interject. Is this defeat so hard to take because, or not so hard to take, but so topical because it's McGregor's first knockout, as opposed to the four fights which have, four other four defeats which have come via submission? And yeah, that's what kind of like, is it the style in which he lost? As in the first, like, it's his first yeah, knockout. I get what you mean. That it, that um, people gone, oh, like if he was submitted, would people almost go, ah, uh, well, look, that's happened before. He seems to do have a weakness for like being submitted. I I just think he hasn't improved it. Like if you look at like Conor and Poirier fighting back in twenty fourteen, right? Both of them more or less the same age, twenty five, twenty six. There's a year between them, so back then they would have been twenty five, twenty six. So I'm saying they can't like the fight didn't come too soon for Poirier. He had I think nineteen pro fights. All right, so I did a little bit of research. Yeah, that. Yeah, good man. I meant to. I was actually going to say that myself because I think it was said last week. It was too soon. Yeah, but he. Yeah, I think it was useless. I didn't want to call anyone out. Like within them fight, within them nineteen, he fought the Korean Zombie Cub, Brando, Baby Max, um, who Connor also fought and beat, um, and he wasn't like twenty fourteen. Connor's an SBG Poirier, American Top Team. Who's made the bigger improvement? Like I'm, I'm. What I'm saying is. He, I think, and I suppose my whole uh, debate is based around that Connor needs to get out of SPG, go abroad. And I know I don't think you think that, Beric either. I know I think you probably have other ideas, but if you want to be, if you want to fight on for legacy as as opposed to legendary, I think he needs to move out now while he's got still got three, four years maybe in the game, um, and 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 show progression because I just I'm not SPG. I'm not seeing it. SPG's great for a certain type of clientele but when you get to that level i'm not sure what kavanaugh's actually offering 
I'll just interject there if I just may. Yeah. Um, is the issue no nothing to do with the gym and rather since Aldo, it's been proper twelve. It's been other projects. Like one of my other questions I was going to ask is, does McGregor have have an end to put his head down, fully focus on MMA and avoid all his distractions and other projects? Doesn't have it in him. Sorry, go on, Mark. I don't think switching gyms is not his issue here. Like, um, you say he, there's been what well, what is it? There's been no improvement since the Aldo fight. Is that what we're? I'm just saying, is this the point we're kind of anchoring on? Well, I'm just saying steady progression as opposed to one fight to three later or whatever. I'm saying steady progression, and we, which Sass is probably right. There is probably an element of he can't hone, he can't he can't put the blinkers on. I think. Well, we've only seen him four times since, five times since. This will be the sixth, I think. Um, both Diaz fights. You're saying since Aldo. Alvarez, saying Khabib, yeah. Cerrone, Poirier. Mm, um, so what's that, six? six. Um, Plus like, uh, Mayweather experiment. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... I, I'd actually not even bother with the Mayweather. I know, I but just, just include it for the time. What's, what's timeline, timeline, yeah, okay. Okay, Um the like I don't I don't understand how you couldn't say that there hasn't been steady progression. He went up in weight twice, like, and like this is this is what I, I was nearly saying to this to you actually when we were just talking about it the other day. Like, if you look at the people he's beaten or has beaten him, we'll say we'll start off at first. So Nate Diaz, he lost it. He got he was submitted in the second round again. Won the first eight minutes of the nine minute fight Nate um, camp though as well that's oh well and good but Nate with no camp like that's not like me or you with no camp no like, well, I know that Nate, but Nate's, still. Nate's, Nate's still trains every day was in the middle of a triathlon, yeah. triathlon prep like he's been Nate has been fighting since he's like 14 15 probably even younger like the man is 34 now, so when he fought McGregor, he was, what, 30? Like, 15 years, he wasn't training specifically to fight McGregor for five weeks. Like, I, I don't think you can you can hang on the there was no camp. You also have to look at that fight in the sense that that was meant to be McGregor going up to 55 originally and went up to 70. Meant to fight the Sanyos, isn't it? Meant to fight the Sanyos. Like, you have to realise in the sense of... Like, I know people are like, oh, it's it's weight. But, like, there is a reason that weight classes are a thing in the sport. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And there is a correct way of moving through weights. So, like, he... Like, McGregor on that night, I think, for the first DS fight, weighed in at 168 for the 170 fight. Like, that's... So, he cut zero weight. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Nate Diaz was coming down from... I don't know. Like it, I, I don't know what the bloke weighs like, but I would imagine it was a lot higher than 170. Mm. Anyway, like that also, the weight also helps you absorb the shots. And you noticed it in the Poirier fight as well, that like a bigger, sturdier Poirier mm. took shots that he didn't take in 2014 because he was like, I read that Poirier on the night he fought McGregor just there was 182. Like that's... <laughs> What weight, what weight was the 2014 fight at? Just did it. 45, so one, uh, 66 kilo. Mm. 
this one was at 70 kilo um which was 155 pounds but like Poirier cuts a phenomenal amount of weight for lightweight now because he's he's just a bigger bloke now he's just gotten bigger like naturally bigger frame like and I'm not saying it's, it's not all down to weight like but at the same time McGregor doesn't cut weight to get to 170 whereas the likes of Poirier the likes of Khabib as well Khabib has been known to get up to 200 pounds when he's not fighting um, and, and Diaz as well they're just bigger men like they're just naturally bigger lads I think yeah a, a big part for me anyway when I'm looking from the outside in like obviously I'm, I'm, I don't you know follow UFC every single week or anything like that but the individuals that have gone to places like American Top Team have a much broader I suppose um, what's the word I'm looking for like the the people the training partners they can go and spar with or train with are next level in comparison to what to what Connor's doing like SPG's all great and everything right but those US gyms are built around well-known coaches, number one. They have champion after champion that they're producing. And SPG just seemed to get lucky with one of the most naturally gifted athletes that has ever graced our scores, I suppose. So I, I, I think like if you're you look at the people that you could be you're in the same paddocks with in somewhere like American Top Team, like does that would that not help him if he goes over there and commits to Six months, nine months a year, a training camp, whatever it might be. But but I don't understand what we're saying in the sense that like you're saying he needs to like who who is this directly against? Is is it because he lost to Poirier he needs to change camp, or is it because he's lost to Poirier and Khabib? He's lost three fights. Well, one of them was to and the ones that he's won, you can't like Cerrone. That's not really an achievement. Like, in whose eyes? Well, the, yeah, that's, the, that's a fair point. In the in the really eyes good. of someone who has watched MMA for a couple for two years and just thinks that Cerrone is like a slouch, like this is what where I can't understand. So it's you know you're deflecting the point here. Should he? Well, let me let, let me let me let me come around to the point. Right. right. What I'm saying is, but, but saying oh, someone I watched for two years. That's a lie because I've been to numerous events. But anyway, I, I didn't say I didn't say you. <laughs> right. But anyway, um. So your your argument is he needs to move camp because he's lost three fights. Well, one of the fights he came back and won with the exact same camp. The second fight is just to Khabib, which no camp in the world has been able to be. So where's the like going over getting new training partners and new fucking coaches in to look at that one? There is no recipe to be Khabib. That's like fair. that's yeah. and, and and the Poirier one. Yeah, like. I suppose you could look at taking and, and, and doing a stint in another another camp or whatever. But at the same time, he doesn't strictly train in SPG. Like he has been known, like he's been to 10 Planet when he's over in America. He does go to places and train. He does his camps with SPG. Like there's also a massive factor that probably his best training partner, two best training partners when you look at it, in Gunnar Nelson, who has been injured who hasn't been around and was there from the whole, was there up until the Diaz two fight and hasn't been there. I think he came back for the Alvarez fight, but wasn't there for Khabib, which is a huge loss seeing as Gunnar Nelson is such a, is a grappler and an excellent grappler at that. And Dylan Dennis, another one who was an excellent grappler for the Khabib fights. Then you look at the, the Poirier fight, like we said, um, like I know you were saying, 
I, I, I think you were saying on last week about the um, the caliber of people you had with him, yeah. like King Cowley and stuff. Like King Cowley's a yeah, fair enough. He's not the best. He hasn't had the best MMA career as such, but he's a world class like type boxer. Like I don't know. Can you call him world class? Absolutely. In all honesty, can we call him you world absolutely class? can. Why? Abs- absolutely can. Why though? What do you mean, why though? Like, what? Look at his achievements. Like, he's a very, very good Thai boxer. He's a high level Thai boxer. But we're not trying to get McGregor to be a world class Thai boxer. What are you trying to get him to do then? We need him to be well rounded. And that seems to be what he's not getting. You said, you just said, like, Danis injured, Gunny injured. So who's he grappling with before this camp? Not that, I'm not saying Poirier is the greatest grappler, but he lost to um, Khabib. And if you're going to go into a camp with the best weapons, I suppose, you need to be, you know, Done with the best grapplers. Yeah, so he, say he, he could be coming in two months time. He he grappled with a lot of people up in SPG Nice, which are Moldovan wrestlers. Yeah, but uh, so so you look at all the other people that are going to all the gyms. So say for example, I'm just thinking of I'm just of a list of names here that have moved right for the likes of Usman, Masvidal. Um, where did Masvidal move from? Um, Shark fights was his promotion. Yeah, but he moved Can't, to American top team. Shark fights is a promotion like the UFC and Bellator is. Yeah. He's always been an American top team. Has he? The whole time? Yeah. yeah. Right, well, I haven't known as a move one. But he's still progressing. Uh, and, and Usman moved because uh, Usman was the other person. Uh, Usman used to be at Black Zillions. Black Zillions yeah. then folded and turned to Hard Knocks, which he was at. Um, Hard Knocks then went to Stanford, uh, Stanford MMA. Um, just because of a name change and the only reason he's changed camps now is because Gilbert Burns is fighting him um, who's a teammate and one thing I did I said, I looked up one of the quotes when uh, McGregor and it, it actually works in McGregor's favour or your favour in this case was when he he kind of when he got on to Joe Duffy about jumping ship saying that he didn't need to go abroad to learn yeah but did that work out for Joe Duffy arguably arguably not. he wasn't a great athlete anyway Sorry, he's a great athlete, but of that caliber, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like I know what I know what you're trying to say, but at the same time, you have to look at it. There's no, there's not many camps in the entire world that will get what McGregor gets in the sense that there is undivided attention to him. Like yeah. if you go to these American top teams, um, like these, like I'm trying to let's, for example, list the big camps in America, right? So you have American top team who have like Masvidal, Poirier, Kobe Covington was there, Joanna and Jacek is there. Like these, like they're all training together, but they don't get the specific like center stage that Connor gets in his camps. Like same again with, if you look at Jackson's, they have John Jones, like, and look at all the fighters that have come through Jackson's who were there and have left because they weren't getting the preferential treatment, not preferential treatment, but felt like John Jones was getting more preferential treatment than they were. And they moved off. Same again in, in TriStar in, in Canada, like, yeah, you're going there, but you're just, you're another fighter. Like, do you know what I mean? Unless you're like the likes of GSP for TriStar, John Jones for fucking Jackson's. And like even Masvidal and Poirier, like they trained together. Like you know what I mean? Like they're but and that's exactly what I'm saying. If you know what I mean, like they train together. So yeah, no, I, I yeah, I get what you mean. But at the same time, like Connor and Gunny train together. Gunny just hasn't been around. 
So does he need a new training partner, basically? Well, I was going to say, like, you're not adapting. You're not, like, say, for example, Liverpool know their training grounds played off or it's, it's rained out. There's something wrong with it. They're going to get the next biggest train. They're going to go to St. George's Park or wherever. Where See, now, I wasn't going to, I was going to bring in, I wasn't going to bring in another sport because. Oh, just for the listeners, I'm just trying to give it a, a little bit of balance in that. If, if yeah. Connor, if, if Gunny's not fit to train with Connor, is the next person good enough within SPG or within that training camp? Like, should he not? be going out and going, look, forget about your next fight. I'll give you, he has the money now. Go, I'll give you 50 grand, whatever it is. Come to my camp for the next yeah, but 12 you, weeks. Like at the same time, like, injuries happen. Like this is the sport. Like, it's the exact, yeah. it's the exact, like Peter Quayley, for example, I'll run through some of the, the sparring partners that he hasn't had. Cold so as I said, as I said, and then he, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, won't, we won't even mention that. Like Gunny hasn't been around. Dylan Dennis hasn't been around. Peter Quayley's injured. Kiefer Crosby, had his own fight, had to travel. Um, James Gallagher, again, has his own fight. Artem has his own fight. Like, these people have their own fights. Like, mm. Do you know what I mean? This is, like, at the end of the day, I know it is a team sport in the sense that you go and you train with your team, but it is an individual sport as well. So, like, everyone has to, like, you have to go for your own best interests. Yeah, essentially. That's exactly, so, that's exactly what I'm saying. But so, wait, 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 before you go on. <laughs> What I was saying was, you said you wanted to bring in another sport and turn around and and say, for, like you said, like to put it in perspective for the fans. If you were put to put it into perspective for the fans in the, in the sense of comparing it to another sport, like no one's going to turn around and burn the house down because Liverpool lost the match. Do you know what I'm saying? Look at McGregor's. I know what you're going to say it's it's different because it's a different sport, but like it shouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? Like, if if Liverpool, if Liverpool played Bayern Munich and and Real Madrid, Barcelona every single time they went out and played, are you telling me that they'd win every game? If Liverpool lost three out of six, they would, yeah. No, well, I suppose what I was going to ask does that feed back into the lack of activity, say, in those? Say, if we're looking at twenty fifteen to now twenty twenty one, yeah, has he not fought? Is that, and I know obviously COVID, so we lost twenty twenty. When he looked like he was coming back, say after beating Cerrone, is it the lack of activity? Maybe say twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen, maybe more so twenty seventeen, well twenty sixteen. If you know what I mean, like he did fight Nate. Well, his best performance ever was twenty sixteen against Alvarez. Yeah, so that was his best performance ever. That was the November twenty sixteen. Not yeah. in twenty seventeen. Like I, Khabib was October twenty twenty eighteen. Yeah, well, like you do have to look at it. I do think that. Ring rust is a factor for Connor in the sense that I seen the breakdown of the stats there the other day. Like in the last, I think since 20, was it 2019 or 2020? It could have been 2019. Since 2019, Poirier has had 80 minutes in the octagon, like in actual fights. Like his fights have been 80 minutes and Connor has had 40 seconds. Yeah. Um... Like, like, there's the, like, it's, I know. Ring rust, they all say ring rust isn't a thing, but <laughs> on the law of averages, it Rest fucking is a thing. Yeah, Do you know but, what I mean? And just on the leg kick as well, there was a brilliant piece by, um, I think it was Daniel Cormer. Um, I pronounced that wrong, Cormier, sorry. Um, and he said the, the leg kick that um, Poirier uses his game plan has been hmm. a real feature of the MMA in the last three, four years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the absence of experience in that kick been detrimental to McGregor? Yeah, in a sense that if if you look at, 
Justin Gaethje uses it quite well. Um, Michael Chandler was actually stopped in Bellator from a similar kick. We fought Brent Primus. His leg just like proper stopped working. Like if you can see, you see on the video, it looks like his, he looks like he keeps rolling his ankle. But apparently if you get kicked in that nerve, it's called, it's like straight foot or something. There's no like your ankle basically stops working. Um, But yeah, like it it is probably a, a lack of, actual full-on contact with that kick like i think john canada said it as well it's it's all well and good in sparring and you can throw that kick and like you're checking it well but at the same time it's sparring Um, it's in the training room you both have shin pads on it's you're it's just not the same as feeling it in the fight like do you know it's that kind of way you like yeah do you think that's kind of i know what i think that's where assassin's trying to go but the ring rust made connor not kind of be able to read that situation a little bit better the kick because I of the ring rust because he hadn't been around he, that environment. yeah yeah um yeah it's 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 definitely a, a possibility um i think it's a it is a shot that i think only two if you get hit with two or three of them properly it's like it affects you massively it's not like you get hit with two or three jabs. It's, it's nowhere. It's not gonna body in near as much as three of them kicks. Like if you look back at the Gaethje Khabib fight, like Gaethje lifted the legs off Khabib, mm. and and Khabib was visibly struggling. It's just Khabib has, like Khabib's game isn't to stand there and next trade. Yeah, exactly. He had the ground game there to defend it nearly. Um, if you look at Gaethje's fight with Poirier. Um, Gaethje lifted the legs off Poirier as well. Um, Poirier was was going to be finished with the exact same leg kick um, before he finished Gaethje. It's it's a it's definitely a technique that is it's been around and yeah, that's pro- it's probably a good argument to say that because he's been out so long, there's there is that lack of so in competition feel with it. Like just to elaborate on that, and my last couple of I just so the first point I'm going to make is what I'm hearing is to you and you may not want to admit it but the way I hear it is Alvarez's McGregor's peak was McGregor's peak I should so say so basically what so, you've said is I, I've, I've, whoa, listened whoa, whoa, whoa. I've listened to you talk for 20 minutes I'm going to completely disregard everything you've said no, no, no. here's my opinion no, I'm going to ram it down your throat no, <laughs> basically no, no. no look Eric can absolutely come back at this and I know he is keep, <laughs> keep this in the back of your head so what I'm what I'm hearing and you, it may or may not be what you want to get across is Alvarez is currently McGregor's peak okay then two things number one analysis do we think or do you think McGregor possibly doesn't do enough analysis on his opponents because he thinks he's better than them um or it's just not something that's done in the MMA world. I know some people do it, but it's just not looked upon as important, possibly. And then, so that's the first part of the question. And number two... Are we answering them as one at a time, or are you going to no, name both? No, I, I, I fear it might run on too long if we answer them one at a time. So. Oh, I'm here all night. <laughs> and then, if and the second part is, so number one is the, the analysis. Number two, what would you do? Like, if you were in Connor's situation, do you stick with say John Kavanagh for example or is there coaches out there that can offer him more or would you be happy enough to stay stay there for a mo- for whatever period of time or is there someone out there that can give him a little bit extra and um, because let's be honest he's not the number one at the moment there are people ahead of him so do you stay there or do you and, and, and keep at it or do you do you move on and, and try something different 
right, we go with we we'll go with part part one of the question first. Yeah. Um, I I would say Alvarez was his best in octagon performance. Yeah. Um, I'm trying like. I don't think you can say that he doesn't look at or analysis of his own performances. Um, you like. Sorry, I meant of opposition, but continue. Or well, of opposition performances, like who, whose whose performance would you look at and say, like against who would you say that they caught him off guard with something they don't? Well, I'm just thinking of Poirier with the kicks as, as well. And, and what fight has Poirier thrown those kicks before? Fair, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying. Then um, analysis. If if we're saying that it's a trend, this kick is a trend. Yeah. Is it possible that he doesn't watch enough MMA? If you know I, what I mean. Like I, if you're I, a football, if you're whatever sport, you're gonna watch other people's games. You know I, I, mean? I I don't think so because you look at like Poirier has always been predominantly a boxer. Mm. You you can only go off. There's like you of like like you said like it's the analysis of your opponent. Like if you watch your if your opponent has 20 fights and you watch all 20 of his fights and he's rarely, if ever, thrown that kick and it's predominantly boxing, which in boxing range, surely you would base your game plan off someone who wouldn't throw that kick and would predominantly box with you. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if you, if, if Liverpool are playing United tomorrow, they're not going to go, right, United seem like a counter-attacking team. Maybe tomorrow they're going to try and hold on to possession and dominate possession for the entire game. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, would no, just be, yeah. it'd be a silly thing to Would, would to analysis do. be something prominent within the camps, do you think? Yeah, massively, yeah, massively. It's, uh, but but yeah. not just Connor's camp, but everyone's camp. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a massive, it's a massive facet of MMA. Um, the, the other thing is that I'd say kind of, it may slightly go off the point, but if you look at his, like Connor has done the best against Khabib out of everyone that's ever fought him. Like I know, I know, it's it sounds like a silly, silly thing to nearly cling to, if you know what I mean. Because it's like, oh yeah, well, you done the best at losing, if you know what I mean. Mm. But like, like Poirier was dominated by Khabib. Connor was arguably in in patches of the fight dominated against Khabib. But if you look at the first round. he's got going on currently or stick or switch yeah no i think i i personally think you have to stick um it, it it's been such a trademark of his whole rise originally was his loyalty to a camp um now i i know there's probably benefits with say training with other people but i think he should predominantly stick to to sbg just for like i i, I personally think that if he does get this poor area match, stays where he is and, and and does another camp with them, I reckon he'll he'll win the rematch. Do you know that kind of way? Is there anything he'd bring in to be Poirier for the next camp? Jeez, if he could if he could get back to if he could bring in all of his training partners, that would be a massive massive benefit.
and what I, what I'd probably actually a better way of putting it is what I'd have liked to see him do in the fight was was actually go for a takedown. And I and I know that people go on like the the whole Nate Diaz quote of "Oh, you're a wrestler now," but like it is mixed martial arts at the same time. Like if something's not working for you, or if they're doing something to stop your game plan, you need to change it up. It's mm-hmm. like it's look at the Max Holloway fight. I know it's geez how many years ago at this stage, but his knee went and in the. Yeah. And he adapted, and he took him down. Like, and this narrative of Connor being a bad grappler is laughable, I think. So, I just like that's what I'd have liked to see. There's no harm. He had Poirier pressed up against the cage. There, there would have been no harm in entering in. Like, and he was dominating the clinch when you look at it with the shoulder strikes and everything. Yeah, he could have just dropped down for the takedown. I feel like he played on his own mind with the with the mind games, the sixty second and the one round. And all. I think possibly mm. he he's playing with his own head now. Sometimes, but look. Yeah. Yeah, I, like it's. I suppose it's. It, I think it's the danger. Sasquatch said it. Like yeah. I think. I think Sasquatch said it last week. It's any combat athlete will, yeah. in their own head, think that. And if if you don't, you're probably you're probably already lost. Do you know that kind of? Yeah. Wouldn't have made it to where you are there if you didn't. If you didn't yeah. Exactly. That. Exactly. Right. So McGregor peaked in 2016. There we have it. <laughs> well, I suppose to round it off quickly because we have Doctor Kazeski on this. Jesus, I, I can only bulge it. <laughs> no, you're, there's no need to. Um, to round us off and, and see what where, where he goes from here, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are we that he returns? I know there was a cryptic Instagram post with John Cavanagh during the week. I think it was like, what a ride or, or something to that effect. Barry could probably know a bit better what what the actual quote itself was. But I suppose, what's the opportunity, what's the possibility that McGregor just walks away now, given the generational I, wealth he's, he's generated? I stand by my prediction of he will be champion again in the UFC by the end of this year. I, st- I stand by it. So that's I what, agree. three fights, is it? Uh, well, see, no, be... The way rankings go, it could be fucking half a fight. <laughs> um, I, I, it's it's probably two good performances, I would say. Just because of where he is. I feel I feel they should... Like If, if I was a bald, rich, red Dana White, I would... Just give Poirier the belt, like, and 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 I've seen a lot of people online saying that, like, oh, that's never been a thing before. Mm. Ronda Rousey was given the belt straight away, yeah. and she came over from a uh, strike force. Daniel Cormier was given the belt when he came over, or sorry, not when he came over, when when Jones actually beat him and then tested positive. Yeah, Cormier was given the belt. Uh, Jose Aldo was given the belt when he beat Frank Yeager. Um, Chandler yeah, may as well have given the belt. They went on. Uh, just, be for Chandler, do you? No, just, a good guy, I man. just agree. Sorry, I disagree. But what you're saying about the, the whole very close to getting the belts and it's just ridiculous. I, I think personally, I think Beric's right. I think it's. Uh, I don't know if it's this year, but definitely early the following year, just depending on COVID more so than anything. But I think you're right. Two minutes, two games, two fights, two wins though. It has to be two wins, surely. It has to be two wins. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's two good performances, and I think just because um, I, I think Pare is at the moment the best lightweight in the world so I think he will be the one that will have the belt and I think because of the one and one and it, and it is it will be a rubber match with him and Poirier that that's why I think he will nearly get that shot a little bit quicker than say 
somebody else because Poirier is obviously going to have a say. And if he's watched the post fight press conference, he was saying that the Conor rematch does interest him. So the way if in in my dream world, I'd like Poirier to be given the belt. I'd like him to fight Oliveira for the belt. I'd like Conor to fight. I I don't really know. There's there's a lot of good fights there for Conor. Like you could you could fight Tony. Um, that would be great for you. There you go, fight, yeah. Yeah, but see, they, they, do you know what would really irritate me about that is if you beat Tony, then everyone would be like, oh, it's Tony, he's, he's lost, he's lost his last two fights. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the cowboy thing all over again. Well, then it could be Gaethje, Tony. I reckon Gaethje's going to fight Chandler. Okay. I think. It'll be, yeah, it'll be it'll be a vacated title, give it to Poirier, McGregor fights mm-hmm. once, and then fights Poirier. What I think will happen, yeah. 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 It's just who that person is. Anyway, yeah. I suppose I don't think we actually answered the question, um, but let's just agree to disagree. Um, yeah. and did, did, we, did we not answer the question? No, I think we did. I think we, I think people answered it in different ways, and I don't think it's a conclusive answer. But I think it's still a debate. It's still a debate, <laughs> and that's that. They're they're always the good good debates. Well, no, I did answer the question because you said it was the best thing of his career, yeah. 2015, and I said no, progress. 2016. Which, well, there you go. That's an answer to the question. So no. <laughs> so my, so basically, to put an end to this, 2016, I'm saying was his peak. Beric says the best is yet to come. Yeah, let's, let's peak does fair. Let's let's yeah, let's leave leave it there. It's all peaks and valleys anyway, isn't it? Anyway, when we take a quick break and return after a quick word from our partners. Hey everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Busted Barstools podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with our friends, The Square Ball, located just off Marion Square. Doing it rough at this moment in time with the pandemic, so make sure to give them a follow on Instagram, give them a like, give them a share, and hopefully someday soon we'll all be able to get back in for barbecue, pints and sport. Hello and welcome back to the Busted Barstools podcast for the second half of episode 2, season 3. So, we're going to kick the can down the road to next Sunday, which of course is Super Bowl 55, taking place in Raymond Jones Stadium, Tampa Bay. Approximately 11.30 kickoff time for, for Irish and UK listeners. It is of course a good time to bring up that at this moment in time, there is a staggering 25% off all the merchandise at USA Sports are affiliate partners. <gasps> so click the link in our 25. bio and use discount code SB25 for staggering 25% off. And this excludes the whole range. So it's not just NFL gear, it's NHL gear, NBA gear, Major League Baseball. Whatever tickles your fancy. So again, just tick, click the link in our bio or the podcast description and enter discount code SB25 for 25% off. So lads, staggering. Super Bowl narrative time. American sports coverage loves a good narrative. It's Tom Brady's tenth Super Bowl in twenty-one years. His first without Bill, and it's Patrick Mahomes' second successive Super Bowl. Predictions. Coach, you like to go first. Um. Uh, 
Oh, I kind of wanted to hear about your opinions first. Um, well, that's fine. That's fine. We can do that. Then. We can. Do that. If you want to hold off the last, we can do that. Like, stop. Like, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch the whole. Like, I tune in and out of games. Right. I haven't really settled on a team that I want to follow yet. I kind of followed the Bills and kind of followed the Dolphins. So, I'm in that kind of thing where rookie, I haven't really rookie phase. Yeah. 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 Fair. Don't um, think but I, I do really like. But I have. I did watch a lot of college football for the last two or three years. Um, and I really like Justin Fields, who will go somewhere um, next season. So I'll, I'll probably end up following them. But um, watching last weekend, it's and, and and the whole sorry, not last weekend, weekend before now. No, this last weekend, um, and all the kind of social media since. It's so hard not to like Tom Brady and to go against Tom Brady. It's very very hard. I think it's the opposite. Do you think? I think it's the absolute opposite. That team is stacked. Oh, offensively, defensively, they're stacked. And, oh, they couldn't get there without Tom. In the NFC Championship game, he threw t- three touchdowns and three interceptions. That sounds like a Jameis Winston game from last year. Mm. But he's just such not. a nice guy. Oh, look, look, I'm, I'm a self-confessed Brady here, and I put it out on air. I have no logical reason to hate him. I know he's the best of all time. I know this. But I'm telling you, if he loses, I'm going to be right here sitting at the bottom going... No Super Bowl, no, no QB has ever lost a home Super Bowl. That's his fourth Super Bowl loss. Oh, it's your yeah, goat. Like, <laughs> but there's people, there's people that are coming out. Like, I think I, I'm actually debating the deleting social media because I am at me wit's end with some of the things that I'm saying. I like I stumbled across a Twitter feed the other day. Is it a feed or? A, a thread, is it? Is that what they call it? Yeah, a Twitter thread? Yeah, yeah. It's a thread, isn't it? Yeah. Thread is a single hey, tw- conversation, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I stumbled across one the other day about how it's the NFL has has actually rigged this year's Super Bowl to have Brady in because of... I remember the, the call, no call penalty that basically closed out the game against Green Bay. Like, like you know... What fucking in like what universe would it fucking benefit to have Tom Bernie. Brady in the Super Bowl? Um, no. no, I don't know the person. I don't know who they were, it was. They were probably it wearing was... a MAGA hat though. Yeah, probably wear like. But this if, is if you go back to to March and April, it'll be the coronavirus is to install five G. They've all gone <laughs> yeah. very quiet all of a sudden. So yeah, this is true. I'm not. I'm not even bringing up my the coronavirus on air because that's a recipe. A recipe. To have us, our social media explode with people on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Anyway, Tom Brady is going to win the Super Bowl because if he doesn't, it means my boy Antonio Brown will go a career <laughs> without getting a Super Bowl medal, and I just cannot have that. What are you giving the spread as then? By much like, ah, uh, see, the, the only thing is, like, the the Chiefs are so good in the sense that. They could be three touchdowns down at the end of the third quarter, and, and like Mahomes will just go, "Oh yeah, no, no, no worries, lads." Tyreek is there somewhere. Ty- yeah, Ty- Tyreek's going to be there, and if he's not there, Travis Kelsey's going to be there, and it, it's, I, I don't know. I, I reckon it will be. I'm gonna go. Are the Chiefs kind of like the Dubs before the first All Ireland? Like oh, is that is that what people fuck. are thinking? 
Oh, no, mate. Really? No, what I mean is, no, we're think, not think, doing this now. Okay, so no I'd, way. I'd like, I'd like the Patriots. I'd like the Patriots before the Patriots first kind of win. As in, do people think for the next five, six, seven years they will dominate because of Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is, is 25. He's 44 yeah. and nine as a star in four years. He's mm-hmm. a win percentage of 83%. So, yeah. Super Bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl MVP and a, and a regular season MVP. He's a freak, like. He's a phenomenal athlete. No, but see, I think it's going to be a lot closer now because, I like, if you look at the the league, there is the likes of Josh Allen, um, Lamar, my my boy, Baker Mayfield are all in and around the same age. I think it's going to be a lot closer over the next couple of years. Um, all in the same conference as well. All in the same conference. The coach looks nothing like Baker Mayfield. I'll also uh, <laughs> just go back to just I, I touched on that there. I had to I had to touch on that. Um and and arguably I know Mahomes wasn't was actually out of the game uh, injured, but the Chiefs should have lost to Cleveland. Mm. Y- you know? Just on that injury a little bit of a digression there. What is Concussion protocol over there just seems to be kind of non-existent. There's no way I've seen him get over that tackle. There's he no way he's ready to play in five days. But it wasn't a concussion; it was a choke. So but he did get he got he passed out because he got choked. He didn't pass out because he got a hit to the head. That that's and that's is the, that an ex, is that an excuse though? Like is that just if you look oh, back at choked, the, if yeah. you look back at the tackle though, he does get choked like. Yeah, his, his head is at a very peculiar he gets, angle. His head gets pulled and it's his neck. So it's it's as almost as if your man pretty much cut off blood supply to his head for a split second and he went. And he got a rush of blood to the head then. As opposed well, that's to CT if I ever heard it. Be sparked out. Yeah, look. Sorry, I digressed there. I was ju- I just thought it because me and, and the missus watched it, Mrs. Coach, and it was just uh, she was like, What? Because he was he was the coach, Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Coach, yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Sorry. So you, uh, I just have a, I just have a fucking picture of like the image I'm seeing in my head. Is, have you seen that one? And it's two like years, two years at home with the clipboard. clipboard. No, you know that one yeah, uh, when Roy, you know that one when Roy Hodgson and your man, what's his name, are coming off the sideline. The old Liverpool. Um, Sammy Lee, you know. Uh, Sammy, Sammy Lee. Lee. Have you seen them when they're coming off the sideline shouting at the ref? <laughs> I'm gonna send you the picture. That's what I'm picturing when I hear myself and Mrs. Coach sitting down to the game with a couple of rock shores and a and a bag of fucking treble crunch. So well, sorry, right? Well, we digress there anyway. So he's gone. He's gone. Kansas. I take it you're going, going Kansas. So I'm gonna have to go. He's going. He's going. You're going team. Kansas. Right. I'll go. I'll go. It's gonna overtime. Well, my prediction is who's going to win though? Chiefs, but the books are up at the start of the first quarter, a fourth quarter. But okay. And if I was going to go points, that's not a bad show. I'd say is, under five. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Okay. Next um, question. <laughs> so I suppose America loves American sports coverage loves narratives, and this is a brilliant one because obviously it's. The goat versus the baby goat, or whatever they're going with now. Tony Romo stated this week: if Mahomes loses, he can never catch Tom. Why is Tom, why is Tony Romo a dumbass? 
No, I'm going to say how true... Because he played for the Cowboys yeah, is exactly. the answer that you're looking for. Yeah, how true do you believe this sentiment to be? That if Tom Brady wins this, there's no way Patrick Mahomes can get it. Well, that would leave Brady with how many? Uh, it would leave him with seven Super Bowl titles at ten attempts. And it would leave Mahomes one and one, and one and one, basically. So two trips to Super Bowl, one Super Bowl. At 25 versus Tom being 43. Well, if if Mahomes lasts as long as Tom, like he could hit 10. Do you know what I mean? The only thing that I would argue is if if you look at the the two play styles of the two of them, like Brady was never a man built around his physical attributes. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Mahomes, Mahomes is well known for being a man who will scramble 18 yards in a third and 18. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? And if, you, um, if you don't believe that, look at Tom Brady's draft combine. It's... Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> he looks he looks like a fourth-year history teacher. Do you know what I mean? A fourth-year where they don't even teach. <laughs> They're just boys that and, are in there. And, and imagine him That's sitting there thinking in 20 years' time he's going to be married to the the supermodel of the world. Like, <laughs> like if there's one man... That, that loves Chinos more than the coach it's Tom Brady <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I'm saying like the coach and Tom Brady probably dress very similar you know like a, a popped collar a, a beige Chino and a lo- and a loafer you know that kind of like well, the best, the best is that that picture of Tom Brady and he's like sunglasses, like a woman style jacket on. It's like Tom Brady looking like a mother who just won custody of her kids. Yeah, <laughs> like he's like even everything about Tom Brady is just non-athletic. Like you just look at him and you're like, how are you the best at anything? Yeah, you know like, what I mean? Like, and the thing to bear in mind about Tom and this is something that needs to be discussed. And I know I'm selling him hate on but I'm not. Tom had every opportunity to win in that he was undrafted, so it was a low contract. He ended up marrying a supermodel, which meant he could take pay cuts all throughout his career because she was the, <laughs> the big money earner. As mad as it seems, your husband's an NFL quarterback and you make more money than Until she was on the PTA, who won the P and the T, hung a bit too close to the A. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, exactly. And then this is the thing as well. If Tom does win the Super Bowl, Everyone's gonna be turning around and go. Well, it was never, it was never Bill Belichick. It was always Tom. And I disagree, because I think it's very obvious with the Buccaneers in the last, in the run into this Super Bowl, say that Tom has been doing a lot of the coaching, but that comes from twenty years' experience with Bill Belichick and what he's learned. So I wouldn't write off, I wouldn't settle this debate in the early hours of February eighth. Anyway, you know what fucking does my head in? Now you've actually touched on it there, like. And it, and it goes back to, like, it, it it's across all sports, really. Like, do you ever notice people just can't fucking appreciate it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. always, has to be like... Settled. Has to be settled. Like, there's always, like, oh, well, it, well, it was more him than him. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, Messi's better than Ronaldo. Do you know what I mean? Like, just fucking enjoy it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Just fucking stress me out, man. Stress me out. Yeah, how, how long... I bring it up? <laughs> what? <laughs> how long has Tom got left lads two watch, years if you watch that Green Bay game yeah you take two three years mm. yeah I watched it yeah yeah um, but how long contract, contractually has he got left that I don't know that I don't know but I'd imagine he's only have to sign with Tampa Bay so I'm assuming he'll get two three years out of him anyway I'd, I'd say it's probably three years is it really 
unless unless he absolutely falls off the cliff. That's been pre- predicted since 2016, so I don't think it's going to happen. But unless he were to fall off a cliff, a la Peyton Manning, a la Brett Favre. Yeah. But I don't it's like LeBron, though, isn't it? Like this, every every year, it's uh, now this will be the year. This will be the year he gets fired. Now, you know what I mean? Saying to go back to our early point, so it was the same with McGregor on his way up. Ah, uh, this will be the fight. This will be the fight he loses. Yeah, we did lose in the end. McGregor's but had three end fights. Brady's had, <laughs> and how and how many has Brady had? <laughs> yeah, two hundred and thirty wins, sixty nine losses. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, uh, beaten by Eli twice though. And Nick Foles. So if if he if he loses to, to and let me tell you, Manning. Eli Manning isn't the Khabib of the of the <laughs> NFL world. <laughs> look at Nick Foles. Now looks especially here. I actually watched America's game, two thousand seventeen, Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl run. Oh, oh Jesus. Watched on Saturday just to not be hurt by sports because <laughs> that must be fucking nice. Yeah. Anyway, what was the question? Uh, do we believe that Patrick Mahomes can catch Tom Brady if he loses as the goat? Yes. Yes. I I go far as to say he's both very young. Depends on where Deshaun Watson falls oh, this year. Yeah. He could catch him, and he's he's not had a good start. But uh, yeah, look. I think I think it's a ludicrous statement by Tony Romo, and the fact that he just played for the Cowboys is, has nothing to do with your feelings, either way. No, because Tony is a pun that's actually not bad. It's a bit like Gary yeah. Neville. Yeah. Like he actually does have good points. If you actually, you definitely hate the Cowboys more than you hate United, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, anyway. I'm just I'm not letting you out. This. <laughs> Next question. Next question. <laughs> okay, so two more questions at Super Bowl, and then we'll do a mini season rewind. Anyway, so outside of the quarterback position, who has the best side, Tampa or Kansas? Um, player for player, Buccaneers, uh, specific players, as in like the likes of Tyreek Hill and and Travis Kelsey, Kansas. If if that made sense. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah. So you're basically saying Kansas has better players, but overall. Tampa's a more complete roster. Exactly. Kansas have probably two, have the best two players. Tampa have the better squad of good players. Coach? No, I completely agree. Yeah. Um... Jesus, write that down. What date is this? <laughs> the 31st of January 2021. He said he completely agrees with even, me. Even as the, even Jesus as a, Christ. Even as that's, a, that's the podcast done. We don't need to. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's over. It's over. Um, this podcast has actually just been a counseling session for me and the coach. Yeah, it's and just we've finally reached. Now. There's no the more busts. <laughs> the perfectly put together. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I have to completely agree with that, to be fair. Okay. Predictions for the Super Bowl MVP. It's got to be Mahomes, really, yeah. doesn't it? I'm going a bit off the wall. Never been done before. First tight end to win a Super Bowl MVP, Travis Kelsey. Oh, uh, yeah, good show. Never I was thinking before. that. I actually genuinely, when you sent us the script and stuff for tonight, I this did think... This isn't script to me. I was just about to say, <laughs> I, did, I didn't receive a script. <laughs> it was like the only way is that's a good one. Now, um, I did think that, but then because of the story, as you said, like... They love storylines. I just think it has to be one of the two boys, Mahomes yeah, or Brady. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to go to whoever wins. Ugh, that's the way I see it. I think for Travis Kelsey to have a big game, Mahomes needs to also have a big yeah. game. And I think just by... Storage, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if a running back would win it and a quarterback would win it type thing, type position. Yeah. I think. Or has, it, has, it has a wide receiver? defensive player ever won it? Yeah. Stephen Def- Gilmore won it that year, did he? 
Um, no, but Malcolm Butler won it. Malcolm Definitely. Butler won it. And Von Miller won it one year as well, Von I think, Miller didn't he? Miller won it one year. And Malcolm Smith won it for the Seahawks. And that was the... No one had heard of him before. Really. Like, he was just there in that Legion of Boom. And he just like, no one had really heard of him. And he just made, like, four or five. Is it not like fantasy football and they just put defense on the trophy? No, no, no. They, give it to the <laughs> they, get a, they get a Chrysler. It's pretty cool. They drive the Chrysler out. <laughs> Pretty, <laughs> pretty American, like it. I was just about to say it's the most American thing I've ever heard yeah. in my life. But a barbecue on the Chrysler is actually driven in by a bald-headed eagle <laughs> <laughs> with an Uzi on the passenger seat because it's his yeah. constitutional rights. Um. Anyway, moving on. So look, tune in. Uh, this time Sunday next week, about half eleven to kick off. It's gonna be. Should are we, we doing a sh- are we doing a show next week? We will be, yeah. But uh, we'll it'll be half Tuesday after. Um. Massive weekend of sport did, next weekend. Didn't see that in the contract. You've lived for yeah, massive weekend of sport. Might do that at the end, will we? Massive weekend of sport. Yeah. Anyway, Huge. and a quick quick recap on the season as a whole for the NFL. MVP. Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. <laughs> Fucking, what is happened? going on? <laughs> I mean, it was on the tip of my I'm going to Aaron Rodgers because someone has to. <laughs> this is getting, this, too, getting this too close. Is... Too brotherly love. Yeah, what's happening? Not, not liking what's going on here. It actually frustrates me. <laughs> the, the best game of the season. That was literally like the scene in Step Brothers. Velociraptor. <laughs> Finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> best game. Well, sorry, what was that one? Best game best was. Bills Rams week three. Oh, you had that in the locker. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of one. Uh, That's where my kind of Josh Allen thing came from as well. A little bit, not just that week, obviously, but uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the game. It was a, the Browns and the uh, Ravens. Ravens, Browns, Ford. Ravens. Yeah. The, the toilet game for for Lamar. Yeah, yeah, it was also mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely to make the jump next year. What do you mean by the jump, though? Specify that. Which side is most likely going to increase, improve next year? Uh, Browns. Ooh. So you think they're going to go on a deeper playoff run? Yeah, I think they're going to get rid of Odell, and I think they're yeah. going to free up a bit of cap space and maybe bring in maybe a little bit of offensive line help, maybe a little bit of maybe a linebacker or something. Um, do you know what I'd like to see go there is maybe Jadavian Clowney or someone like that. Um. Yeah, but he he's big cap space. But I suppose if they get rid of Odell, like I don't think they. I think they were better off without Odell this year. Well, from the remainder of the game, like. Odell's like bigger style is very much a t- tippy passes. One of a better phrase. He just it's short passes and and Juice can run yeah. them routes. And they've Austin Hooper. They've David and Joku. They've two Austin Hooper be gone as well. I think though. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But they have but a Joku, like you said. Do I see Odell linked with the Pats? 15 years ago yeah or like the last 5 years it's been like with the Pats like mm. there's no use of going to the Pats now with no decent Q- QB so. yeah and Stafford apparently his uh, recommendation to, to the Lions was trade me to anyone but the Patriots there's one for you there's an interesting really yeah yeah strange one now um, I think that oh be... actually speaking of the Lions friend of the show diehard Leipzig fan <laughs> yeah. wanted me to announce that his team for next year is the Lions oh Jesus which which is just fucking pathetic, isn't it? Like, fan of suffering, is he? Like for fuck's sake! Oh, he, he texts me today and he's like, "You do you you on the podcast later?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I've decided to go with the Lions. 
First of all, I don't give a fucking shit. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> the fucking Lions. That's fan, tough. Maybe. I don't know. No one's a goth fan. Though. Where... Anyway, sorry. Keep Next going. Question. Where is the... Wait, you didn't well, get my answer. Yeah, that on, doesn't really matter, though, does it? Go on. Who's your most likely to make the jump? Sorry. The Rams or the Dolphins? Yeah, I was also going to say the Dolphins. Rams yeah. is a good show as well, considering what happened. Mm. Where is Deshaun Watson most likely to come September 1st? Or most likely. Go on, you can go first. God. Could he. Could he. The Dolphins. The Dolphins, yeah. Okay. Um, me personally, a bit of politics at play, obviously. Matt Stafford trade changes a fair bit because now you see yeah, the value yeah. of a quarterback. And he's, he's a lot better than Goff, obviously. I think that was a bit strategic by the Rams as well, and the fact that. That bumps up the price, and I think it puts the Forty ers out of the the shop. If that makes sense. If I was going to put money on it, and I'm not, because it's still a punt. Carolina Panthers have the most assets in terms of draft capital, and a Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey offense, throwing Robbie Anderson there as well, and they might pick up another wide receiver. They have DJ, DJ Moore as well. Frightening. Mm. Beric. There's a big difference between who I want them to go to and who I think he'll go to. Um, okay. I I think he'll end up at the Jets, oh. personally. Yeah, I don't want to see him there. <laughs> no, I, I really don't want to see him there. Um, I'd like them. Obviously, I'd like him to go to the Falcons, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, but I, I think he'll be a Jet this time, September. A one-season wonder from last season. So who excelled last year that we won't see reach the heights that they reached this year? It's got to be Tom Brady, surely. Baker, Baker, Baker. I actually think, no, I think this is the first time Baker's career will have the same coach season on season. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski. So, no, Baker. Gosh, I don't even think I have an answer for this one. One-season wonder. I'm going to go as far as to say Derrick Henry. Oh, that's that's a that's a. You said you said. Now let me just say back what you said. You said reach the heights they reached this year. Yeah, yeah he won't. There's no way he's gonna rush two thousand yards again. It's not gonna happen. If, if he did it, if he did it next season, it'd be a third year in a row. <laughs> so it's, it's not gonna happen. Um, you didn't ask. That's not the question you asked. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if I have an answer for that question, to be fair. Head the only coach. person I could think of, to be honest. Yeah, head coach on the hot seat. Bill. Bill, do you think? Mm. Because for numerous reasons, but number one being he's getting old. Okay. Sorry, what, what, was, the, what was the question? Head coach on the hot seat. No. Hot seat meaning in trouble, I presume. Mostly, Not yeah, hot seat is in you're in a hot streak in basketball. <laughs> who is the Ravens coach? Jim Harbour. Yeah, that's who I'm gonna go with. Okay. I Because I... like they're, they're not gonna it it's I was about to say it can't always be Lamar. It 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 definitely is always Lamar. But you know the way Americans go in the sense that like they tend to stick with 
It's not even Americans. It's like it's, it's sport in general. Like if the players aren't playing well, the first thing is the manager. Do you know what I mean? And I'd imagine this being no different. And I can't, I, like, I can't see the Ravens getting over the line next year either. So I, don't I, th- know. I think he'd be doing in trouble. Lamar, Lamar did win his first, his first playoff game this this year. So I think it's a huge thing to get over as a quarterback. Um, and then performed very poorly in the next one. I'm gonna go a bit off the wall with this one, and I think I, I don't actually think he is. But if I was, if it was any other franchise, I'd say he is. Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh Steelers. There's an undercurrent of a culture there. Big Ben is is bad attitude. like yeah, Big Ben is ready to go as well. I wonder are they ready are they ready to blow it up? Actually, can I change mine? I I want Sean Payton. I'm gonna say Sean Payton. Okay. That's that's ready to blow up because of the salary cap. Disaster. Salary cap, like they they have to get rid of. They're la- like they're they're good players, and anyone who fucking continues to operate this Taysom Hill freak show, I have no time for. So, the Swiss Army knife. Um, no, no. <laughs> he's terrible. It's fucking he's dog shit, man. Like he, what? I'm not. I'm not. It's too late in the show. It's too late on a Sunday. I'm not. He plays a lot of positions, but he's bad at all of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I suppose that's our brief. Super Bowl preview, our br- brief NFL season recap. No fan questions this week. Disappointed enough, disappointed in all of you actually that you didn't require any fan questions. Yeah. You were just waiting for the return of Beric, to be honest. I, that that's a, that's the show in itself, really, isn't it? Like, mm. no one wants to hear you two cunts <laughs> talk about fucking stupid questions, anyway. Anyway, wrap it up. <laughs> hold on a second I've got one thing for listeners and Beric and Zas that you'll enjoy um, Monday night Panorama we're going to wrap it up there thanks very much everyone for listening you'll enjoy this you'll Damn enjoy this you'll enjoy this Monday night there's a Panorama documentary now I know our listeners won't get that unless you know circumstances but definitely look back on this one BBC One 9pm Monday night so if you can go back on the, on the BBC player there is a panorama documentary into pro boxing and most, more specifically the Kinahans involved in pro boxing so anyone that's seen panorama documentaries before they go into quite in depth and hidden camera stuff that will be one to, to, to watch if you, can, if you can get it online after Tuesday this Tuesday is it? Well, it's Tuesday on Monday night, but listeners Tuesday and all that sort of stuff. So, ah, you're. But it's, it's you're, one more chasing. You're a clever old bastard, and you want to be, aren't you? Fair play to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Right. We pack it in. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's great to be back. Great to be back for season season. My first one. Mm. Hopefully, next week we'll have the full complement. Full. Possibly. In, what. Do you know what? We'll discuss it off air. I was about to ask what time we're doing next week. I won't. I won't bother. Anyway, thank you for listening to this week's slightly different um, um, podcast. But, you know, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Um, great to see the, the budding friendship that has erupted between Beric and the coach in full fucking flow. Uh, and that's also where I'm going to plug our new podcast of the coach and Beric, uh, San Sasquatch. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you, good night. Much love. <laughs> that was a bad, that was a bad outro. But-
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.